all beliefs are completely made up. So if we're going to make up beliefs, why not believe in yourself? <laughs> why not just... And sometimes I do this with people. I'm like, just pretend for a moment. Pretend you're an actor. If you're an actor for a movie and you had to have the belief that you could actually achieve this, how would you act? How would you show up? You're listening to the High Performance Health Podcast, helping you optimize your health, performance, and longevity. My name is Angela Foster, and I'm a former corporate lawyer and high performance health coach. Each week, I bring you cutting edge biohacks, inspiring insights, and high performance habits to unlock optimal health, performance, and longevity. So excited that you've chosen to join me today. Now let's dive in. Hi friends, when you set a new goal, it can feel at first like, can I really achieve this? And I'm going to be honest with you, I was saying this with my one of my coaching groups with my biosyncing program. If your goal doesn't give you goosebumps, it probably isn't big enough. You want to take that goal and 10x it. The reason is there's a lot of research around this about 10xing your goal is because if you think about doubling where you are, for example, like say you had a financial or a business goal and you 2xed it, essentially you could just get away with doing more of the same but becoming busier, right? You could achieve it that way. Whereas when you 10x a goal, it requires a whole new level of thinking. And it's amazing when you do that, what insights you get, how creative you become, and honestly, how transformational things are. And also there's less competition, to be honest, when you set really, really massive goals. So that's what I always encourage my program members to do. And we kind of have a system for doing that. But when you first set a goal, you can sometimes feel like, well, how do I get myself on board, right? How do I not self-sabotage? How do I believe that I can do this? And you're going to learn about this in this week's podcast because I'm sitting down with Morgan Nelson and he's hugely inspiring, having had tremendous success. He achieved financial freedom at the age of 23 years old. He's now 28. He's an entrepreneur from the Gold Coast in Australia. Um, He originally left school with no direction and then was financially free by 23. And what's super interesting is his passion and his vigor and his commitment to help people follow their dreams. And he gives this amazing example of how you can set goals with your conscious mind and your conscious mind is kind of the goal setter, but it's your subconscious mind that is the goal getter. And that's why things like affirmations and your belief systems are so important. I love this podcast. It's so upbeat and so much fun. I think you're going to love it as well. If you do, let me know in the comments, leave a review um it was just such a fun interview and all of the show notes and everything you need is over on my website at angelafosterperformance.com but for now let me introduce you to morgan nelson hey morgan it's so great to have you on the show here today just to introduce you to my guest um i'm sitting with morgan t nelson who is a life and business strategist and he is all about helping you create your life by design so exciting every time I hear that, right? I think we should all be doing it. I think the difference is you created financial freedom at like the tender age of 23, which is pretty impressive. Um, we're going to go into that backstory. Firstly, welcome to the show, Morgan. Great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm fired up. I'm super excited. And, and to talk to all your people across the pond. Across um, so the I'm, pond. <laughs> yeah. It's my morning. It's your evening. <laughs> yes. So, but we found a time. Um Let's kick off. I mean, that's that's a pretty incredible story, right? Most people do not achieve that level of success by 23 years old. Give us some background. How did you get into this? You know, what was going on in your life when you hit that mark? Yeah, well, it definitely like like if if we were to start, you know, with that and people would be like, financially free at 23, you'd think I come from like a trust fund baby. 
you think my parents were entrepreneurs, you think I got into business at a young age, or you think all these sorts of things, but it was, it was everything other than that. And I think really the biggest thing that sort of drives me and motivates me was watching how I, I was brought up and watching, you know, my parents just do, you know, dad had a job and mom did what she could to raise us, you know, and, and, and we, we never struggled, but however, money was always a conversation, you know, money was a stressful conversation for my family. And I watched all this and I think at a young age, I was like, I don't want that. When I grow up, I want to have freedom. I want to travel. I want to go to nice restaurants. I want to wear nice things. These, this is the life I want to have. And knowing that I have a choice, I made that decision early on. But you know, when I I pretty much failed my way through school, nearly like borderline failed. I only stayed to year twelve for the parties and the girls. Um, I just looked the at it. And the girls. <laughs> yeah, like like for real. Like I was like, this is my funnest time of my life. If I leave school, I'm gonna need to get uh, be responsible. I'm gonna need to get a job. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Every single weekend, there's a party. Every single weekend, all the girls from school go to the party. This is the best years of my life, <laughs> you know. And when I when I left there though, I I just got a job as a carpenter because I legitimately thought that's all I could do. Go become an apprentice. Go do something like this. And it led me down a path of you know, drugs, alcohol, depression, suicide attempt at 19. Um, you know, and through all these things, I kind of just decided I didn't want this. And I started seeking more. I started seeking what are the things that actually bring me happiness? What are the things that bring me joy? What are the things that light up my life, my my world? And I, I changed my environment. You know, that was the biggest thing for me. I, I really got around different people because I looked around. I looked around myself when I was 19. I'm working 14 hours a day, 43 degree heat, seven days a week for three weeks at a time. And how I'm getting through these days is living off drugs, alcohol, Everyone around me is negative. They're toxic. Uh, people are going, getting arrested on the weekends, including me, you know, and that was the life. And then so I looked at it. I was like, if, if, I, if I keep choosing this, and this is, this is going to be the life I have in five years, 10 years and all this. And so I moved back down to my home town here on the Gold Coast, which is beautiful. We're on the beach and, you know, it's pretty hard to be miserable here. It's a great place. And, um, you know, I started looking for people that actually had the life I wanted. I looked for people that were actually happy. I looked for people that were successful. I looked for people that were goal-driven. I started surrounding myself with those types of people. And then a friend of mine, 21 years old, he, I started my, my first business in the network marketing industry. And he gave me a CD. And the CD was a guy by the name of Jim Rohn. I don't know if you've ever heard of Jim Rohn. Tony Robbins' course, mentor, yeah. like one of the OGs, you mm. know, the personal development space. And I listened to this CD in my car every single day for about 90 days as I drove to work. And it was a 52-minute audio and my drive to work was, sorry, it was 56-minute audio. My drive to work was 52 minutes every day. So I pulled into the car park, finished the last four minutes, went to work and started to really change my philosophy. Because one of the things I remember him saying from the start was, don't wish life was easier, wish you were better. And just that one, that one philosophy really changed everything for me because I was walking around thinking, like, how did I get here? Like, why is my life like this? Why am I like this? Why am I not happy? Why am I not rich? Why is life hard? All these things. And when he said that, I was like, life just is. Life just is. But then I, if I'm going to wish for something, wish that I was a better person, wish that I was stronger, smarter, had more knowledge had more skill set, had a better mindset, wish for all those things, so then I can overcome anything that life throws at me. And really, that was the start of my personal development journey and reshaping all of my mindset. And 
I I started trading out, you know, it took me a while. I still was partying everything for the first year of, into my entrepreneurship journey. But I, uh, you know, eventually started just trading out all the parties, all the late nights to actually work on my business. I started sacrificing, you know, instead of trying to chase girls, I'll start chasing my goals. And, you know, everything really changed in about two and a half year period. And 23 years old, I booked a one-way ticket to Mexico. And that went for about four years, traveling the world, living in Bali, Mexico, US, Europe, and uh, just building life online. It's awesome. It's awesome. I want to unpack that a little bit because it's an incredible story. I mean, a suicide attempt at so young, right? You've kind of experienced rock bottom there. Um, what What was the moment that you decided, I've got to do something about this? Was it shortly after that? Was it, um, you know, what, what's that, that turning point, if you like, and what prompted mm. it? Well, it actually happened two times. I, I attempted twice. After the first time, I think I was really pretending, pretending that I didn't know what I was doing, kind of thing. I think I was really like there was so much. I, I share this quite a bit lately, actually, because there's there wasn't podcast back then. There wasn't Instagram for me to hear content of people sharing and talking about these things. So when it was happening to me, I legitimately thought I was broken. I thought something was wrong with me. And I was trying to sort of ignore it. And then uh, it happened again. You know, I had like a second attempt. And then after, I, I literally remember actually waking up and knowing, I'm like, this is not right. And it's not me. Like, I know this is not me. And then I made the decision. I asked myself the question. I said, before I came up here, like a year ago, I was so happy. I had my dream job. I was going out every weekend with my friends. I was living with my friends. I'd go surfing on the weekends life was awesome. I was like, I, I got a good career ahead of me. I'm going to get my apprenticeship, become a builder, become a, a property developer, retire by 50. Life's great. And the next time I got thrown in and completely changed my environment. And I asked myself the question, how could I be so happy and confident and certain about my life a year ago? And now today trying to take my own life. And the first thing that came down to me was the, the people you surround yourself with. And that's what really took me on this trajectory of really trying to figure out how to create a successful life. And I, I teach now the four pillars of creating a life for your dreams. And the first pillar is the right environment because it all comes down to that. Like we're literally the sum of the five people we surround ourselves with. We've all heard it, right? There's a difference of knowing something and actually doing it. A lot of people complain about the life they have, complain about the results they have, and they know that they're not, they go home to a relationship and they're not happy in it and they know it. I mean, they know that they're unsatisfied. They know they don't, have a good job, or they know they don't like the people they surround themselves with. They know they don't feel appreciated in their circle, but they keep doing it. You know, so it's one thing to know about something, then one thing to actually embody it and go and create the results. So, you know, what really happened for me was was that question: what changed? That what changed was the environment. And the second thing that came after it was literally making the decision to go. I'm never ever again going to uh, put anything before my own happiness again. That was a big thing. And then the last thing that sort of come to me, uh, a decision in the moment was sort of strange. It was get the hell out of this place. Go back to go back to the place where you actually were happy. And second one was eat some fruit. <laughs> right. It was, it was just strange. It's like, it's funny, right. It's, it's crazy. But it, like our bodies just know, like I was so unhealthy. We're, we're living off drugs every day. I was like, that's what was happening. We're having drugs in the morning, drugs in the, in the middle of the day, drugs at nighttime. You know, eight bourbons at night. What drugs were you time. taking? 
cocaine in the morning, cocaine during the day, and then prescription pills. Uh, I forget what they're called, just to complete downers. I forget what they were called. It's complete, just like, um, I forget what they were, just like a fistful of them in the afternoon to sort of like just numb everything, mix with alcohol. So the next day you wake up so groggy, oh, just have some Coke and you're good again. Go, you know, get some pep in your step. So my body was so shit, you know, so so when my intuition or my, my high self, whatever you want to call it, says, go and eat some fruit. I was literally like, it was telling me, like, go get healthy. And I remember the next day I went, I woke up and I went for a run. I was like, I'm just gonna go for a run and work my body. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat some like healthy stuff, you know? And then I think I actually end up leaving there a few days later and just be like, I've, I've got to get out of here. I get out of here. I got to start working on my health again. I got to get healthy, you know, because if I'm not right, um, you know, physically, then I'm not going to be right mentally. And that's exactly what I saw unfold. That's so powerful. I mean, I think people really often will underestimate like how much the body conditions the mind. We think we've got to like mm. think our way, right? But actually, and also what you said there about changing the environment. I mean, you just up sticks and left. So you're not around those people anymore. I think yeah. how much harder do you think it would have been to try to make those changes still in that location and how oh, influenced you would have been by the friends and things? Yeah, like massively. And like, so psychologists have done tests on this, right? So I've studied... I've studied human behavioral psychology, neuroscience, like I'm a master trainer of neuro-linguistic programming, hypnotherapy, you name it. I know a lot of shit about human behavior. And one of the things, this is why it's so important, the very first test that was ever actually like a study done in psychology, this is the first test they've ever done in psychology. And they've done it so many times since. They want to see what happens with people when they're in, in different environmental situations. And the test was, they put four people in a room and three of them were paid actors. One of them was a real person. And they put on the screen four lines, completely identical, except one. One was about double the size. And they said to the people, all you need to do is circle which line is different from the others. And they told the actors, you have to purposely choose the wrong one. So they told them exactly which one they had to pick. So the actors come in and they all pick A. And the answer is clearly C. And the real person comes in, looks at them, and they're like, the fuck you guys are off it right it's the answer c because anybody would think that right so it's c and then they reset and they do it again shuffle up the numbers all the actors pick one one letter and the other guy comes in a little bit bizarre so he's like this is strange picks the right answer but then what happens is after about the fourth fifth or sixth time they go back in and he starts to really question himself he's not laughing about it anymore he's legitimately looking at them going shit, am I the wrong one? Am I wrong? They're questioning things. And then eventually, he actually circles the exact same one as them. And it happens every single time. So what psychologists have actually proven is that it's more important for us to fit into the people we're surrounded with than it is for us to actually stand out and do what we believe is right. So if you ask the question, can, can you outperform a bad environment? No. Because environment is stronger than willpower. Eventually, right? Eventually, you'll either succumb and just do what everyone else is doing, or you'll feel like you're the absolute most alienated person, unless you've got some sort of thing where you don't care about what anyone else around you thinks of you is doing, and you're so strong-willed. You know, you don't really have much of a fighting chance. So, what psychologists have proven time and time and time again, you'll literally fall into the same patterns, beliefs, habits and behaviors of what everyone else around you is doing. 
not because you believe it's the right thing to do, but because you don't trust yourself of what you think is right. You will do what everyone else is doing because it's the clan mentality. It's the tribal mentality. It's more important for us to fit in and be safe with those around us than it is for us to risk standing out and, you know, copping arrows in the back. So I really don't think if I had stayed there, you know, I could have been really strong-minded and try to fight my way through it, sure. But then what do I do when I, I come home and everyone's drinking and I'm trying to not drink? I'm trying to not take drugs. And everyone else around me is doing it. Uh, you know, the only way for them to bond together is to have a drink at the bar. And if I choose, oh, well, I'm going to go for a run, I'm literally self-alienating myself, you know, and and I, I, I just don't think really anyone's going to be up for that. The fun, Like you could, if you try to prove me wrong, I'm sure maybe someone could do it, but it's a lot easier to go and surround yourself with people who also have the same habits. Surround yourself with people that take health seriously, that exercise, that eat well, that that aren't doing all these things, right? I um my brother recently, he's you know been an alcoholic and taking drugs for as long as I can remember, and he just recently went into rehab and was the soberest he ever been, um sober for six months, longest he's been sober in I think last decade. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I said to him, so what are you doing when you get out though? He said, well, I'm going back to work at the place I was at before. And I said, oh, it's not gonna it's not it's not gonna do anything. He said, no, oh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try and change the habit with working out every day instead. I said. I like that. However, everyone at your workplace are alcoholics and all they do every day to bond at the end of the work shift is go to the pub. Um, you know, sure enough, he was there for, I think, six weeks before, started drinking again, you know, so we'll, we'll fit into the people around us. After, and after such, yeah, it's so simple. And, and after such a long time, it's such a shame. I mean, I think there was um, here in the UK, like if you go back many, many years ago now, a few decades ago, uh, Fleet Street in London was a big place for the journalist, you know, when journalism was really having its day before podcasts and things like that. And there was always a culture of just going out in the afternoon and drinking because that was what they did. And there's so many people who became accidental alcoholics, right? And this is the thing, again, we're talking about it's not so much the mind, right? It's the body. It's like conditioning the mind. And now there is a physical addiction that you hadn't realized <clears throat> because everyone was doing it, you know? Um, they were taking lots of cocaine, you know, talking about whose office it was snowing in and and how much and and going out for drinks and things. And 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 that's how it begins, right? It's really difficult. Mm. I guess a curious question I have is you talk there about yourself, your brother, um, but it sounds like you grew up, I don't know, in a in a relatively um sort of I suppose ordinary background. It wasn't, you know, as you said, it wasn't that poor, it wasn't rich, it wasn't um what do you think drew you to those people and also <clears throat> your brother sort of in the first place? Why do you think you were seeking out those friendships? Because there, there's another version, right, where actually you already go and find people that also want to succeed in life. Mm. It was just simple. It was my work environment. So what happened was, well, I was 18. You know, I'm Australian, very similar to the English mentality. We love to drink and party. <laughs> you know, it's a... It's a thing, right? So as soon as we're 18, me and all my friends, were, that's, that's all we did. We'd go out every single weekend, three, four days every weekend. And we just loved it, you know, it was so much fun. And and but but the main thing, like a lot of my friends actually, they weren't the problem. Like sure enough, they they drank and we all went out and binge drank every single weekend. That yeah, That's what it was. But that wasn't the problem because an 18-year-old binge drinking, society would say it's a problem. However, they're just an 18-year-old being an 18-year-old. Like they'll get over it probably in a couple of years. That wasn't a problem because when we weren't drinking, we're all hanging out. We're playing sports, we're playing footy, we're going to the gym. We're, we're all actually healthy guys. And 
and we had goals and my friends were going to university and all these sorts of things, but it was the work environment for me. So what happened was everyone, like I was, I was a tradie, so I was a carpenter and the, the tradie lifestyle, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what's like over there, but here it's, it's very like that. It's like, yeah, get up early, go to, go to your job at the end of the day, go get, get some beers, you go to the pub, you know, and a lot of tradies are on drugs. And what changed was like my, my boss at the time, he was, he was just, he was just relying on drugs. Like smoke weed every day. I'd get on the speed with the mists on the weekend. And as a young kid, I was 18, I'm looking for him as like a role model. And uh, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, that's what tradies do. Like, oh. So I just started to pick it all up. And then we all moved away to another city up here in Australia to go get some more work. And uh, that's just quickly what it sort of turned into. So it wasn't really, it's not like it was my friends. It was just really everybody at work. Like that was just the scene of this sort of city. And I guess everybody else sort of just joined in. If you listen to this podcast, you're probably like me. You want to have high energy every day to achieve everything you want to, while also protecting your health span and longevity. And for the last six months, I've been taking a supplement called NAD Regen by Biostat Labs. Not only does it contain a powerful combination of niacinamide, NAD3 and resveratrol, which support NAD, also known as the molecule of youth, it has spermidine in it. And spermidine helps inhibit many of the hallmarks of aging. It also supports better cognition, improved memory, heart health and circadian rhythm. And I'll tell you what I've noticed since taking NAD Regen is consistently high energy, which is a huge bonus, given that I'm always juggling the demands of running both my businesses alongside my kids and all of their activities and my daily workouts. And I've also noticed a lot of new hair growth, which is common with spermidine. The beauty benefits are, of course, always welcome. So after experiencing all these benefits, I wanted you to experience similar ones. And so I've arranged a very special offer with our sponsors, Biostat Labs. When you buy two bottles of NAD Regen, Biostat Labs are giving listeners of this show a free bottle of GD-Aid, their glucose supplement that contains the very best ingredients for all-round metabolic health. I take NAD Regen in the morning in a fasted state before my workout to amplify the autophagy boosting effects and then GDA just before my most carb heavy meal of the day to blunt the glucose spike. To get your free bottle of GDA and all the energy and health promoting benefits of NAD Regen, head over to biostacklabs.com forward slash Angela. And when you purchase two bottles of NAD Regen, Biostat Labs will send you a free bottle of GDA. That's biostatlabs.com forward slash Angela to get your exclusive offer. I'm inviting you to join our newly opened High Performance Health Facebook group, where we're all about unlocking our utmost potential. If you are a fellow biohacker, a coach, or a woman with an entrepreneurial spirit looking for peak performance, then our community of ambitious women is just for you. But it's not just about connecting with like-minded women. It's about empowering each other. We have weekly live training, Q&As, and a bunch of other exclusive content that I don't get the chance to share anywhere else. New biohacks I'm exploring, plus extra nuggets of wisdom from my podcast guests and so much more. It's free to join. Simply click the top link in the show notes or go to angelafoster.me forward slash HPH. That's angelafoster.me forward slash HPH or click the top link in the show notes. And once inside, send me a message so we can connect personally. I can't wait to see you there. 
Yeah, and I mean, if you're around it all the time, right, it's the most influential part. Mm. It's a little bit like when kids are at school, they're not at home as much as they are at school. And term time, it's going to have a massive influence and, and people their age. And as you say, your boss, you were, you were looking up to. I'm curious, do you drink any alcohol now? How's that? How, where, where have you ended up with that? <laughs> so I've, I've, I've cut down, cut down, cut down, cut down, cut down. I'm 30 years old now. Um, I used to, I used to really value just fun and partying and adventure. So when we would travel, I've traveled nearly 50 countries, you know? So a lot of the time we would travel and you mix that with making some money and we'd always want to go and get, you know, champagne and drink and whatever. Right. Um, it was new year's Eve. I can't remember how many years ago, maybe, maybe five, six years ago, I was in New York city and we had a, all you could drink bar tab, me and the missus. And we just drank as much as you possibly could. And uh, champagne as well. And if you've ever been champagne drunk, I found out the hard way that night. It was literally one of those days, like I, I fell out of a taxi, smashed my face open on the curb, woke up the next day, cuts and everything. I thought I got in a fight with somebody. And it was that was the day I, I said, I said, I'm never doing this again. And I legitimately stuck to it. And I think because I, I used to just drink to get blackout. Like that's what it was. I thought that was the goal. It was like, let's just drink. It's the absolute wasted. And then after that, I think I've only ever been super drunk maybe once since then. And every time we drink, uh, so since then I've now actually find a bit of balance. And how can I go out and just have a few drinks and have some fun and know when to actually stop? And I've been getting just better and better actually reading that. And literally this year, I think is this is the first year I've I've barely drank anything actually. So, you know, to answer your question now, it's extremely, extremely, extremely rare to have anything. Even if me and my partner will have a glass of champagne or a wine, we both are just like, I just don't even want it. Like sometimes we'll order one, for like you know, the feeling right, a nice bar or having cheese and wine at a winery, and then I'm like, my body's just rejecting it. I'm like, I just I just don't like it. So. I, I barely drink now. I'm feeling more sharp than ever. I feel fantastic. And the best thing is I don't I don't care. I don't want it. So if we do go out, you know, I might get a soda water or maybe one glass of champagne. It's going to be good champagne. Uh, otherwise, I just literally feel it the next day. Like I'm all about optimal results. I'm all about like, and, and this is how I actually got my head around it was I worked out. I said, what, what's my business goal? And when I first worked this out, I was like, I want to make $100,000 a week. That's the goal. So then I worked it out. I was like, that's roughly $15,000 a day, roughly. Cool. If I go and get absolutely shit-faced and I'm hungover tomorrow, that's worth $15,000 because I, I can't perform at my best. And then as I get older, now it's two days. That's $30,000. So when I start to reframe it like that and think, okay, so now it actually gets me to ask you a question. Is this party tonight worth $30,000? And if the answer is no, which it usually every single time is, easy, I don't drink because I know the repercussions. If I can't perform tomorrow my absolute best, if, I can't, if I'm not sharp and focused and work out and feel good, I'm not going to be able to make great decisions in my business. I'm not going to be able to talk to clients well. I'm not going to be able to be creatively thinking about the next 10 years of my vision. I'm not going to be able to think about the impact I want to have in the world. And that's going to be completely diluted. And... I really do wish that I could find the balance because I know some people that are extremely successful and still have good times. But I think for me, fun and a good time out now has just completely changed. But how I literally reframed it was was doing that, going, what's this actually costing me? You know, and now we've got goals we, we want to be doing a million dollars a month. So 
it's 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 climbed by two and a half x. So really now one day is for about forty five thousand dollars. So I just steer away from it. Like my body, if I have four or five drinks, I can feel the next day, and I'm just not as sharp. And to me, it's not worth it. Mm. Yeah, I, I I mean I just I gave up alcohol just over a year ago, and uh, and I agree with you. But the, the longer I go without it, the the less I want it. Really. Yeah, it's easier. Um, yeah, it's easy. It's so much easier, and it's just easier to like. There's no question, is there? You don't have to make a decision. You're just like, I'm not mm. drinking. And I, and I think as the same as you, like it has, has a profound impact um, in my life. With um, so let's talk about this um, and setting goals because I think people listening and you know thinking these are these are big goals, lofty goals. They're awesome. Um, how do you? I think you've, you mentioned you've got four pillars. One is environment, mm-hmm. which we've spoken about, absolutely crucial to success. What are the others, um, and how are you using those to achieve? your goals which obviously get bigger as you progress yeah cool so look so step number one before actually diving into the four pillars is everybody must have a vision and it sounds so simple so let me explain it because i said before there's three levels of learning first one is knowing information you can read it in a book and hear about it and you're like now i know that second level is understanding information think of like a business professor it never made any sense to me as to why people would study business at university or college to learn from someone who has a job no disrespect but it just doesn't make any sense but that's where the, the system is a bit flawed because a lot of people are teaching practical things or theoretical things that they just understand, but they don't actually have life experience doing it because the third level is to actually embody the results. So when I share things, if, if, if people hear like, oh, but I already know that. Cool. I ask you a question, do you do it? And does your bank account show it? Because if, if it doesn't, then you're not actually doing it. Okay. And we can continually learn things. So the first step is people must have a vision. You know, I share about, you know, the ultimate success formula, which I can talk about as well. But the first thing is you need to actually know your outcome. You, you need to know what you actually want. If me and you are standing in a square room together and I say, hey, run in a straight line to that corner of the room as fast as you can go, you'll start running. But now I throw a chair down in front of you. I throw a table down in front of you. What do you do? You'll probably just run around it. But you disobeyed exactly what I asked you to do. I said to run in a straight line. You see, pro- humans, when they're, absolutely clear on their outcome they will just use their own problem solving skills and quickly figure out the next the way around the obstacle and get to their end outcome but if we're staying in the exact same room i say run anywhere in this room you want a smart person would say well where should i go some people will just start running without even asking a question and that's what most people do in life they finish school and they just start running you say what's your goals this year i don't know what's a goal like to me that's so scary you wake up every day and have no idea what you are. What's, what's the intention of you living? What are you doing? <laughs> it blows my mind. But if I say, run a straight line, you go, where should I run? I said, you're a smart person. Figure it out. You start running somewhere. Now I throw a table down in front of you. What do you do? Most people will either completely stop and think, oh my God, this is the universe telling me it's not a sign. You know, it's, I, I shouldn't go this way, right? And they're like, <laughs> oh my God. Or they, they stop or they turn, they go a different direction. But in each situation, the obstacle was the exact same obstacle. But the second time when they weren't clear on their outcome, the obstacle become the problem and it took them out of the game. They got distracted. So you've got to be absolutely clear on what it is you actually want. Okay. And then the first pillar, surround yourself with people that either have that or are also going there. Because if you surround yourself with people that have a similar goal, financial freedom, success, health, like if you want to get the best health of your life, you're sure as hell not going to go and 
make friends with everybody down at the local, I don't know, pub. You're not going to make friends with people that don't value health. It's just not going to make any sense because you're going to start doing their patterns. But if you go surround yourself with people that are people like you, biohackers, get into communities of people that are invested in health and value the health, sure enough, you'll probably start to figure out a thing or two about how to better your own life as well. So get really clear on the outcome we actually want. Then get around people that have that exact result or that are going to the same destination as you. It's going to literally change everything for us. The second thing is, is to get into the right vehicle. So we've got the right environment and the right vehicle. In order to get from where we are to where we want to go, we've got to find a vehicle. For some people, it's, it's themselves. For some people, if it's a health goal, the vehicle might literally just be you, or it might be someone you get to meet. It might be a personal trainer, a coach, a mentor. It's something that you've actually got to get into that's going to transform the life you have. But for what I teach people, it's mostly business. You want to create a life of freedom. You're not just going to do it by working your job every day. So what is the, what's the business you want to create? If not a business, let's look at an investment strategy. So in 10 years, you've got enough passive income coming in where you can literally live the life you want. That's your vehicle. But if we're not going to look at a vehicle, then you'll never actually get there, right? You, you could be the best race car driver in the world. But if you don't have a car to get into, you ain't going anywhere. And vice versa, you could have a Ferrari sitting there. But if you're petrified to drive the car, you'll never leave the driveway. So it's really about having a few things. So the right vehicle, the next one is the right timing. Is to have the right timing. Now, this really comes down to a few things. So four things. Number one is we've got to see it. I already talked about it. Creating a vision, okay? We get really clear on our vision. We're going to see it. Number two is we've got to have belief in it. We're going to have belief in it. Now, people are like, well, yeah, it's easier said than done. Here's the thing. All beliefs are completely made up. So if we're going to make up beliefs, why not believe in yourself? <laughs> why not just... And sometimes I do this with people. I'm like, just pretend for a moment. Pretend you're an actor. If you're an actor for a movie and you had to have the belief that you could actually achieve this, how would you act? How would you show up? How would you walk? How would you talk? Like, what would be the certainty, you know, and actually have the belief that it's already done. It's going to happen. You know, Roger Bannister, the first guy to break the four minute mile, scientists and professors literally told him that if he, uh, that it's physically impossible, his heart would burst out of his chest if, if he did it. So everyone else believed it wasn't possible, but not Roger. He was like, no, I, I see it. I'm visualizing it. And that's why I said the first thing is to, to see it, right? To visualize it. There's been studies done. There's three groups of basketball players. The first group, they took them in and they said, hey, you guys, we're going to go practice throwing perfect three throws all day long. Great. You go over there. Second group, you guys go home. No practice for you today. And the third group, you're going to sit on the bench blindfolded and you're going to visualize shooting perfect three throws all day long. So then they restudied these people. A week later, group one, who actually went and did the practice, they improved something like 67%. Group two, they didn't improve really anything at all because they did nothing. They went home. But group three that did nothing other than sit on the bench and visualize, build, connect the neurons in their brain so they have muscle memory on actually how to do the behavior, they improved about 42%. But they didn't do anything except visualize it. They just visualize it. See, a lot of people visualize, but they visualize the, the worst outcome. And then sure enough, it happens. Like, oh my God, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah, because you freaking thought about it over and over and over. <laughs> that and, one always makes me laugh. I knew this right. was going to happen. 
Yeah, it's like, oh, you spent a lot of time on it as well in your head. And, and then the the, they, it's because they see it, but then they they add so much emotional certainty to it as well. It's like, oh my god, I'm so scared about it. I know it's going to happen. And then the universe, God, whatever, go, okay, whatever we focus on, it's we're going to drive energy to it. It's going to manifest. It's going to happen. So why not start to actually see the things we want? And the more we start to see it and actually start to suppress it into our subconscious brain, our subconscious mind doesn't know the difference of what's real and what's fake. So if we start to actually see the outcome we want to have in this world, the results we want. We see it. We feel it. What is the feeling in your body once you've actually had that? You see, the unconscious mind, once it starts to see it, it's going to feel it as if it's actually happened. And when we start to feel it, we're going to start to actually do the behavior of the result of actually having it. This is how we start to jump vibrations. We start to actually attract the things to us that we need to get us to the outcome. But it won't happen without the third step. Third step is to actually decide on it. And it sounds so simple because it all is so simple. But we've got to literally decide. We're going to make the decision. You see, a lot of people, me, myself included, for so long, I, I was 99% committed to my, to my dreams, 99% committed to the life I want. And I often say this in a room. I say, I, I, you know, because I run, I run seminars over here. I say, put up your hand if you're in a relationship, right? And everyone, you know, people put up their hand. I say, women, if your man came home and said to you, I'm 99% sure that you're the woman of my dreams, what would you say? And then we just hear everyone like, oh, no, where's the 1%? And then, and then I say to the guys, I said, what do you think about it? And a lot of men are like, oh, but, we've, you know, we've come 99% of the way. And the women are always like, I want the 1% more. And it's the exact That's same thing for it's it's the exact same thing for all our goals, all our dreams. Anything worthwhile, like and for men listening to this, but I know you've got a big female podcast, you're probably all listening, like, yes, I agree. If your man comes home since I'm 99%, you don't care about the 99%. You wonder why aren't you fully committed? Why are you doubtful? Why aren't you certain? But as soon as you get that 100 percent commitment, what are you willing to do? You're willing to give your 150%. Yes, but true. if you get 99%, you'll hold back. I think it's Nick Jack Canfield said it. It always comes back into my mind. 99% percent, 99% is a bitch and 100% is a breeze. And it's so true. So, so true. Because it's like it's like a grueling process. It really is. It really is. 99 is like so hard. Well, 100% is it's actually a lot easier. It's a lot easier than 99%. It just really is because things start to work because the universe, whatever, like things just start to come. Things start to just happen for you in, in the other way. It's all about an energetic exchange. So to make the full decision is literally making the decision of being like, I'm burning the bridges, I'm burning the boats, I'm not going back. This, this is what it is, it's done. Yeah. And the fourth part of becoming the right time is to take action. Duh. There's four levels of action. First one is no action, pretty self-explanatory, just like the second basketball team, go home, do nothing you get nothing as well. Second level of action is blaming, complaining, and justifying. See, the moment we blame, the moment we complain, the moment we justify, we the justification is the worst because we say, oh, but I can't have this because anything that follows the word because we're actually installing a new belief. The bad thing about justifying is we actually believe our own bullshit. So when we say, I see this, I've decided on this, but I can't do it just yet because you don't know how hard it is for people like me. Your brain goes, yeah, no, that's so true. It is hard for people like us. Let's just try again next year. It's the worst because you actually believe it. 
there's congruency in the conscious and unconscious mind. So you go, actually, that makes sense. Damn it. Oh, well. So we've got to be aware that if we're blaming others, blaming circumstances, complaining or justifying, that's it's still some action. But the horrible thing, it takes effort. So if you're going to take effort, shift up to at least the third level, which is some action. Start building some good foundations in place. Start putting some good habits, changing the environment, taking action, taking some baby steps and doing those sorts of things until you're ready to go to level four, which is all out massive action. All out massive action is, is the only way it's really going to get you everything that's happening. You know, So that's the four levels of action. That's the right timing. And the last one is becoming the right you. The right you is three areas. Number one is the right belief system. Like I said before, if we can have the right belief system, that's actually in congruency with the results we want. So if we want to create a million dollar business, but we have a belief system that says, I'm not good enough to make a million dollars or a million dollars is scary. But what? But if I make a million dollars and my mom won't love me, my dad won't love me. If we have a belief like that, our brain will do anything to avoid pain. It wants to seek pleasure avoid pain. That's what our brain wants to do. Two primary things. So we have a belief that's not congruent. We have a belief that's not congruent with with our vision. Then we'll continually, it'll feel like you're being pulled one way and then back the other way. So we've got to make sure that we've got congruent beliefs. And just be aware, are the beliefs you're saying to yourself, are the stories you're saying to yourself, strengthening that vision? Are they in alignment? Right? Because you could have the Ferrari. You can have the driver in the front seat, but if if there's a if there's a kink in the fuel hose, a Ferrari is not driving at its best. You'll probably beat it in a Toyota Camry, right? So we've got to actually unkink the valves and make sure that they're in alignment. And the second one is the right value system. So chances are, when you surround yourself with the right people, you'll start to pick up similar values to them. If if you don't have a value system that has money, wealth, success in it. If you don't think it's important for you to make money, wealth, or success, then chances are you're not going to go after money, success, or wealth. At least you'll put other things there first. So our values are the things that at one of our deepest levels of programming in our psyche, that we will do things that are more important to us before we'll do things that we believe are right. So we'll go after the things that we believe are so important. Obviously, you value health. You've built an entire life around it. If you never valued health, you'd never, you'd never go down this hole. Right. And um, so, so this is when people start to have this congruent, uh, conscious and unconscious incongruency together. So, I like to say when we can get this right, the conscious mind is like the goal setter, but the unconscious mind is the goal getter. And when we can get these on the same page together, watch out. Like, success in anything is extremely simple, extremely easy. Most people are just getting in their own way. They're all, you know, things here, listening from the past or whatever. Then the third part to the right you is just to simply have the right attitude. You know, the right attitude. If people only take one thing from this whole podcast today and it's to develop the right attitude, it's, it's, this is going to help you get through the rest of your life. See, there's only three types of people in the world. The first person, they sit and they complain about the win. Like, this is so, so hard. Life's so hard. You know, I can't do it. I did it for years of my life. Years of my life. And, and I just kept attracting the same shit. I wondered why. Like, oh my God. I knew this was going to happen, right? And then the second person, the second person, they just sit and they hope that the wind will change for them. They put their crystals out. They wait for the full moon and they just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, hoping that things will change for them. But they don't want to get off their ass and do something. 
This is the definition of insanity. But the third person, they just get up and they just change their sale. No stories, no questions, no complaining. The wind's not blowing my direction. Okay, I'm just going to adjust my sales. Oh, great. I'm going to adjust to what is happening. See, life is just a thing. Life is happening all the time. And if we look at it in terms of like, oh my God, the wind, the wind, the wind, adjust your sales, work with it. Yeah, yeah cool. Co- you don't believe how many people I talk to still and they're like, oh my God, COVID. I said, you still talking about that thing that happened <laughs> so three years ago? Still? Yeah, that's true. Like, get over it. Adjust. Adjust. I love, I love what um, Queen Elizabeth II said, or as you say, you know, it never, never complain, never explain. And if you live by that, like it's so much simpler and also so much energy wasted on complaining. And and yeah. you're right. It just leads to justification. Oh, I could do this, but you know, my situation is this, this, this. And the problem with that is when you start, you convince yourself, but also when you then start telling other people, they care about you, they love you. So they want to see it from your point of view. So now they start validating that and it just becomes stronger mm. and stronger, right? It yeah. gets it so much. Which, which comes, comes back to the environment, right? Because if I, like I... I love my circle of friends because sometimes, and I think it's human nature for us to want to justify and come on, feel sorry for me. You don't get it. I think it's normal, uh, but we've, we've got to be able to pick it up on ourselves, And that's why it's good to have good friends around you. Cause I've had so many of my friends just call me out on it. Stop complaining. Like my mentor, actually, he's hilarious. He's like, you complain about this. He's like, stop making up shit. Just do it. Do it or don't. You're so true. <laughs> <laughs> just let me complain for a second. And then yeah. no, stop. It. I don't let me it. have my he's moment, like, please. Yeah. He's like, Cause I, I don't care. Just do it. That's so true because, you know, life doesn't, doesn't, it's at the end, when you're faced with your maker and you die and you get to the end of it, you're not going to have a chance to go, yeah, but look at all, this is all the reasons I didn't do it. It's going to, you're going to look at your life and go, I either did it or I didn't do it. Mm. That's it. It's just pick up your boots and just get going. Just keep going. And so, I mean, We've, we've sort of almost come to the end, but I guess my question here, there's a couple of things I scribbled down that if you could just round up and kind of close with, I guess, yeah. is one is um, when we look at that and we're looking at reprogramming beliefs, this is the bit where people get super confused, right? Over affirmations. What if I don't believe it when I'm saying it? How do I do that? Should it be a meditation? What, what, I love the way you simplify everything. How can you reprogram the belief that you want, the belief that you can have that success or that healthy body, whatever it is that you're looking to achieve? Mm. A few different ways. You know, the first one is to actually like surround yourself with people, right? Come back to it again. Be your success ceiling. Okay. So I've just recently employed uh, a marketing manager and she's amazing. And she got her own business as well. And she said, she's like, Morgan, you don't know how much my ceiling of what I thought was possible has been raised just from working with you. I'm like, well, that's true. It's good. You know, because when I surround myself with people that make so much more money than me, they break my paradigm. I was talking with somebody today and she's like, you know, um, you know, we're about to crack, uh, crack eight figures this year. I'm like, shit, I've, I haven't even thought about that. Like, wow, expands my ceiling of what I think was actually possible. But then it brings out, well, what if imposter syndrome comes up or these beliefs or whatever, right? So the first thing you do is to actually become aware of it. Become aware, okay? We can't intervene with a world that we can't see. If we're not aware that we've got these limiting beliefs or these imposter syndrome, these thoughts and stories that are holding us back, then we'll never be able to actually dissect it and do something about it. So step one is to become aware. Step two, name it something because your thoughts are not you, right? Your thoughts are not you. So when the thought comes in, most people go, oh my God, it's me. No, they're not you. So name it something. What is it? I, I, just, I actually call mine Freddie, like Freddie Mercury. 
right? Sort of, um, and 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 I used to actually have this picture of Freddie Mercury on my on my on my mirror. And when I'd wake up in the morning, I'd look at it. I said, "Not today, Freddie." <laughs> like like it was just like a reminder. I'm like, you. Why did you pick my- Freddie Mercury? <laughs> Long story. Uh, I dressed up as Freddie Mercury runtime at an event a long time ago, okay. and uh, and it just sort of stuck. I was like, "That's hilarious," you know. Not so it's just like Freddie. the Joker side, you know. And but it was me, like actually consciously going, "I'm in control of my mind. My mind's not in control of me. I don't negotiate with it. I don't negotiate with my mind. Period. I say what I do, and I do what I say. That's it. And anything that comes up in between, I, I I just don't entertain. But I name it something. Third thing is we've got to interrupt the pattern. You see, our brains take two thirds of our body's energy per day. So all the energy our body uses every single day, two thirds of it goes on just our brain. So what it wants to do is conserve energy as much as it possibly can. So what happens is as soon as we start to think a thought, we have 65,000 thoughts a day on average, 95 to 98% of them are the exact same ones we had yesterday. So chances are, if you've got a limiting thought, it's so strong and you've thought it countless times throughout your life. And what happens is these neurons start to fire together and they wire together. And it creates this really strong bond. And I call it like a super highway inside of our brain. So as soon as we think that thought again, it's just, it's able to access that feeling and that behavior 10 times faster. So much faster, right? Because it's, oh, this is so familiar. It's so easy. So what we need to do is to actually interrupt that pattern. So we do anything to avoid pain. What I used to do, I don't have any with me right now. I used to have those rubber bands, you know, those like thick, like Mm. black rubber bands, you get like a concert or whatever. I would carry one of them around. And every single time I thought a negative thought, I would snap it and it hurt like a bitch. I'd snap it and I'd snap it and I'd snap it because, the, and then what I'll do is I would interrupt the pattern and then I'd kiss my wrist better. Right. And then I would insert a new belief. So for example, if it's like, oh, but I, you know, I'm not good enough. I would snap it. I'm not good enough. Snap. I'm not good enough. Snap. And I'd kiss it better. And I say, I'm more than good enough. I'm so capable. I'm, I'm so certain. I'm so confident. I'm so capable of anything I put my mind to. Because what starts to happen in, in the in the neuro pathways, it starts to trigger the thought, and now you interrupt it with pain. So not only do you create something, it's like taking a CD out of a CD player and scratching it and putting it back in. It just won't be able to play that track ever again. So if you do this long enough, and you interrupt the pattern, interrupt the pattern, interrupt the pattern, there's so many different ways to interrupt it. But for me to give you listeners something right here, do it. Put a band on your wrist and snap it every single time you get a negative thought. Because I guarantee you, the next time you start to think it, your brain's actually going to go, oh, hang on a second. I don't want to think this because it fucking hurts every time, you know? And if you <laughs> yeah, start to interrupt with pain and immediately reinforce it with emotion, reinforce it with emotion, with a new strong empowering belief, like I'm more than capable and like use your body. I'm more than capable and feel the certainty. And yeah, you might, you might feel a little weird doing this, but guess what? I say to people all the time, I say, I would rather be a little weird and really rich and really happy than really cool and really broke choose your options, right? So inter- become aware, name it something, snap your band, interrupt the pattern, then reinforce it with the exact opposite, something that's empowering and actually move your whole body and feel the feelings of it actually in your body and repetition now. Just repeat it over and over and over and over. There is a lot of power in affirmations, but I, I, I prefer incantations. Incantations, actually chanting them. When I started to learn this stuff, I, I, I flew, I, I, I was at an event in Cairns, Australia, and I flew to Hawaii right after this event. And I started learning about how to reprogram the mind. And I went for a beach run up through Waikiki Beach for about three hours, back and forth, back and forth, chanting, chanting. I'm unstoppable. I'm unstoppable. I'm unstoppable. I'm so happy and grateful now that I'm paid $100,000 a year. I'm so happy and grateful now. But that's where I was starting. That's where I was starting. 
right? And I was just ingraining all these and it just and, and used my entire nervous system and embeds it into the cells of my body and I enhanced the, the emotions with it, you know? And there was probably some people I ran past that were like, this guy's a bit fucking weird, but you know what? Okay. 10 steps later, they were irrelevant from my life. Mm. I love that you said that because I think that's the thing. The incantations get the energy behind it, right? Whether you go and do something physically, like you were saying there, whether you put music on, there's like so much yeah. more power behind that. And you feel it. It's on a very visceral level and it kind of go, moves up and it's in your heart space. And you're like, yes, do you know what I mean? It's empowering. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. You have shared so much. Where can people find more about you? I know you're traveling loads. In fact, I think you're coming to London uh, very yeah, soon. Um, I might be in London. Yeah. So uh, people can find me in two places, really. Uh, first one is my Instagram at Morgan T. Nelson. Come follow us there. I always put heaps of stuff out. I think, I'm not sure when this goes live, but we're actually working on a quiz right now where if people are a little bit stuck and not sure how to get to that next level in life for their business, they can put in their options in my quiz and it spits them out which one of the pillars that they need to work on. And then I give them like a free 15 minute like training video on that. Um, so maybe I'll get my team to send that. I'm not sure. It might not even be ready. I'm not sure when this is out, but, um, you know, the, hopefully the quiz will be ready and you can get that and just get some extra like customized training will be really cool. Um, but Instagram, otherwise my podcast dream out loud. We've got, we've had so many amazing guests on there. Um, you're going to be a guest on there. Um, you know, so you can come and hit us up there. We've, we put out so much content, mini episodes, full episodes. So they're the two places, Instagram or the podcast. Awesome. We will link to all of those in the show notes. I'm looking forward to chatting to you on your show. Um, thank you so much, Morgan. This has been super fun and super, super uplifting and high energy. And I hope that for everyone listening, just take one of those things away, go and listen to it again, make some notes, take one thing away and start acting on it immediately. It's been amazing to have you on. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you enjoy this podcast, visit femalebiohacker.com and be part of a special community of women looking to optimize their mind, body, and spirit. If you're tired of sifting through countless websites and books to find the answers to your questions about nutrition, fitness, hormones, mindset, spirituality, and biohacking, the search is over. I've done the research for you and every week we go live with in-depth masterclasses, Q&A calls and monthly challenges to help you transform your life. And when you join the collective, you'll have access to a wealth of information, including deep dive masterclasses and biohacking toolkits on our members' favorites like metabolic flexibility, gut health, stress and resiliency and stepping into your most empowered self. Get access and be coached by me and my team and level up your health, career, and life all for less than a dollar a day. Go to femalebiohacker.com or click the link below to get started. And I'll see you on the inside.